Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, this is Girl Power Hour. Welcome, welcome. My name is Annette Bingham and I have Tasha Humphreys here. Hey Tasha. Hi Annette. How are you? You know, I, I have to say I'm not I'm not complaining. I don't want this to come across as a complaint. Uh, but you know I'm not a big fan of the heat. And it's <laughs> yeah. triple digits. Triple digit heat yeah. uh, in, in Lubbock, Texas, as you know. Uh, and we've had, you know, 108, 110, I think it's like 106 or something today. But it, this is when I get cabin fever. Where everybody else gets cabin fever in the winter, this is when I get cabin fever because I don't go out in this. So <laughs> I yeah. have been, you know, driving myself a little crazy uh, trying to just stay in the house and stay cool. But, I mean, I'm yeah, grateful I'm for way. the air conditioning. I... So let me throw that out there. I'm, I, I am grateful that I have shelter and air conditioning because I know there are certainly people out there that are really struggling with this heat and uh, certainly fur babies as well. So love and light to all of those. Yeah, I just, I stay inside. I was raised in the deserts of Arizona, and I hibernated during the summers. Um, And, you know, I mean, at least it cools off a little bit here at night. In Arizona, a lot of times during the dead of summer, it wouldn't get below 100 so. I know. Well, see, last night I I went running last night, and it was. I I, I go late because I I don't want to see the sun when I'm outside. So mm-hmm. I, when it, I go late when it's supposedly cool, and it was 10:30 last night, and it was 99 degrees when I was running, and the wind was blowing, but it was a hot wind, so it's a little really? insane. And, and this is not my favorite season. Oh my! <laughs> when you get all the. My ear. When I get all I the just, best book spread. Yeah. <laughs> and you are hearing Adrian LaCava. That is our guest for today, and we are so excited to have her. Um, and I am looking at, uh, excuse me, I am off topic here. Um, on our blog talk thing, it shows we only have 27 minutes left. What? <laughs> what? How'd that happen? <laughs> That is not right, people. <laughs> we need more than 20 minutes to talk to Adrian. Oh, uh, all right. I talk fast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we've only got 30 minutes. What is up with that? And I, I don't know, but let's make the best of I know. <laughs> I can't change that now. So, um, okay. Well, let's get right mm. at it then. Goodness. So we're we're going to talk to Adrienne. She is a novelist. Um, her book uh, is No One Can Know, which is fascinating. She's fascinated with the 60s, and this book is all about, it's not really about the JFK assassination, although that is a part of it. There's so many... Um, characters in her book relating to this whole episode of history that is just amazing. So let's get right at it. And Adrian, we're so happy you're here. Tell us kind of quickly what really is your book about? Well, thank you for your kind words about it. Um, and I'm so happy to be here too. Uh, 
Well, the pitch, the elevator pitch, is that um, a family gets mistakenly drawn into ugly deeds that occur after the JFK assassination in Dallas and a family weekend on the ranch turns deadly. So that's my one-sentence pitch to get somebody's attention on the elevator. <laughs> Supposedly, when you go to conferences and stuff, you're supposed to grab edit, uh, agents and editors, and um, it's kind of a running joke. But anyway, that's, it, it, it is a story about family. I write about character, and I love to fold in real events, although... My books are fiction, and they don't really qualify as historical fiction in the most technical sense because people are still alive when these events happened in the 60s, and so historical fiction, by definition, is earlier periods. Right. At at the same time, it feels like history. (laughs) Yeah, you've got so much research that you've done on this, and it does feel like history. It's... It feels like, you know, you're reading a newspaper article about what just happened and, and these families. And because I was around then, and I I remember that happening. And as I've gotten older, you know, reading a little bit more about what actually went on, um, watching documentaries and what have you, you have done so much research that makes it feel so real. And your characters are amazing. Ivy Jean, when you read the book, people, you'll fall in love with Ivy Jean. Um, <laughs> she's such a, she's a character. I mean, she is smart and um, she's just, she's got it all, to, well, she doesn't have it all together, but for, for you know, a kid that age, she's, really got her mind working and she's very curious and and I love that about her. Um, yeah. So Ivy Jean is one of my favorites. But let's talk a little bit about what what got you wanting to write about the 60s? What fascinates you so much about the 60s? Well, um, I think that most writers are drawn to their coming-of-age era just because, you know, we got to travel backwards and go deep and examine mm-hmm. our own kind of emotional um, growth spurts and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's a matter of loving fiction, loving history, and living in Dallas. And um, I, I, I write through people ordinary adults that kind of explore the human condition and and as a reader love and fiction that enlightens and parallels real events from ago to now so there's but I was just coming of age in 1964 or 63 rather when John Kennedy was killed and I mean I was just 12 years old so I wasn't Mm -hmm. hadn't really come of age yet but I understood what was going on, and I was saddened, and I was saddened because it happened in Texas. And uh, that was something that I wanted to write about was that different sort of um, 
different kind of grief or different level of grief that that Texans, I think, experienced with what happened here and have, you know, I mean, we, we have the scars today that's, that this this whole right. week has brought all of that back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but I was twelve when he was killed, and and so um, I didn't want to believe that you know the talk about somebody else might have been involved and all of that. Anyway, the the JFK assassination was sort of imprinted my childhood, and then when I was sixteen in high school, Abilene High School. I was uh, just becoming aware of politics in America. It was an election year. There was so much strife and conflict in our country. And and there's a tagline that is in a lot of my material that suggests a million stories were affected while the nation came apart. So once I started looking at what parts of history I wanted to write about and being a Dallasite who's naturally captivated by Camelot and, you know, the whole um, uh, ideas uh, that we supposedly lost during that time and are not ideas but ideals that, that and aspirations and hope and, you know, I mean, it just really injured the country and everybody talked about it. And then right. here comes Martin Luther King's death right after the Tet Offensive and right after Bobby announced that he was running and Martin is slain in Memphis by a lone gunman, which I thought at the time when I was 16. That's curious because so is Jack Kennedy. And mm-hmm. that's, that's uh, but I didn't want to go there. You know, we just, we still don't want to go there, truthfully. But, um, that was that was kind of a uh, life altering moment. I mean, my my legs. When Bobby Kennedy, we heard that he was killed. I, I I remember, you know, my knees went weak because I just couldn't I couldn't believe it. It was one of those moments that you might look back on when you're going through your life and realize that you know the the earth really did shift underneath me. <laughs> it felt like well, the bottom you know, fell out, or you know. Yeah. I was watching TV when that happened, and, um, you know, he was uh, giving his speech or whatever, and then next thing you know, they switch over to all the chaos. Yeah, And, uh, I mean, it was just unbelievable. You know, and I was sitting in school when uh, JFK was assassinated, and I remember been getting on the intercom and telling us that our president had been killed. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, the air stopped moving. I mean, (laughs) nobody was It was just something that that we had a difficult time with, and there were a lot of tears. And even though we didn't realize, you know, really at that time we weren't into the politics of, of our nation, we still recognize the tragedy, and you know somebody was was killed, and and somebody that we watched on TV and and heard about all the time, and it was it was um, it was something else. You know, it made me it afraid. Did. 
my yeah. new phrase, and I, you know, I don't think that that fear is, has ever been addressed um, because of the cover-ups and stuff. But I'm digressing kind of a little bit into, you know, my own passion <laughs> of conspiracies and such. But um, uh, so anyway, if you think about all the changes that took place in Rothbar world, literally during the decade of the 60s, you know, think women's lib and, and, you know, acid rock and, or did that come along in the 70s? I don't remember. Um, Roe v. Wade, the pill, you know, everything changed the way that our society is, is basically, you know, structured. So we all had some kind of something earth-shattering, if you'll pardon my um, trite term, to deal with. Mm-hmm. Vietnam touches me more deeply now than it did then, i I, I got to yeah. say. And, and by studying it um, in my next book, my character Wade returns from Vietnam, and he's prominent in the in book two. And um, so I'm really studying that and talking to veterans and facing evidence we have now about how so much wrongdoing was occurring under our noses <laughs> and yeah. you know the the whole big brother thing the fourth estate and uh, just endless events to explore a character experience so well, yeah. that's what it was the, drew it was me to the 60s it was an everyday thing that we saw and we heard about and i think at that point in time we kind of got desensitized to the whole thing um for amount for a fair amount of time and and now um oh it's been several years you know my son would want to watch uh movies about vietnam and and i would i couldn't do it i just couldn't do it i still can't to this day and um it's just painful you know and i i also knew soldiers that came back um, from yeah. Vietnam, and they were never the same. That didn't. No. They, yeah, and no. and I almost feel more sorry for those who came back, who are not the people that they were when they left. Mm-hmm. You know, it did something to them, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we we can not we can't know all the tragedies that took place then. But, you know, that's... Anyway, that's, uh, the 60s was a pivotal point in our history, I think. I, I think it you're was. right. And you those know, are all events. And, uh, so there, there it kind of explains for you that, you know, it's kind of a ripe... If, if you like fiction or, I don't know, like history, you want to fold history into your fiction and uh, it, it's just a great decade. So once I latched on to the spy in my story, this you know, want to retire spy and be a cowboy in Texas guy, and <laughs> and you know, he's got my inside information on what's really going on in the '60s, and that's how I got, I fell into the the Camelot, you know, mm-hmm. unending research. <laughs> The deep pool of Kennedy research that is endless. So 
I've kind of made a career of that. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you did because I, I find it fascinating and uh, the characters, it's like I said, it's not totally all about uh, the assassination. It's the, the characters, the connections, and uh, just the people. And I can I can truly imagine these people being there and going through these things um, during that period of time. So, and I'm. So anxious for the next book to get out, and I wish it would hurry oh. up. Um, and <laughs> Thank I decided, you. I wish I'd hurry up, too. I decided, <laughs> yeah, I decided that I'd the first one again as soon as I know when the other one's going to come out, and then go right into the second one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right in the second book. It's been quite a uh, enlightened experience for me, a lightning, enlightening, enlightening experience for me. So... Well, I know you and but, I yeah. talked, and it was much more difficult. The second one was much more difficult than the first. And I had the the honor of meeting you through a, a an artist way class. And, you know, I was so impressed. She said, you were writing a novel. I'm going, wow. Because, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of, I, I wouldn't have the first clue on how to write a novel, and I don't really have a desire to. But I love reading, so I love reading that type of uh, book. So um, we were lucky to have such great women in that class. Um, oh, I truly. Just, Wasn't it a landmark? <laughs> I, and I, uh, Elizabeth and I were talking about that the other day, Elizabeth Harbin, who uh, helped facilitate, um, and she's on our show often. And we were talking about how we missed, everybody and how we missed having a group like that um, to meet with on a regular basis. Um, so Absolutely. we may need to do something. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like sharing. I mean, we've shared a life experience and people mm-hmm. that you share, a profound life experience with are never far away. It's uh, I feel very close to each and every one in that class, and the other artist way class that I took. You know, and it, it's it just has that. First of all, the class has that kind of um, spiritual awakening, and um, and just you know, it it, it just finds a way to press all kinds of buttons and get you to acting and and, and, yeah. and taking action is what I mean, you know, and it's so when I think about my personal growth during those two classes and, and the first one just blew me away because I, you know, I was in a horrible, horrible place professionally. And I mean, I just was in a miserable spiritual wasteland kind of thing who and skepticism mm-hmm. was just growing in me that was becoming bitterness and ugh, I didn't know if I was salvageable <laughs> yeah. but it did it did I mean and it is it is um, it is a spiritual based um, process that she's designed Julia Cameron has designed that that works I think she was, you know, 
she was divinely inspired for that that book oh, and that, that yeah. just, that, just the whole process of it. Absolutely. This day, I would love to just take hands and convince people you've got to make this commitment. It's only twelve weeks, but when you get on the other side of it, you will you will look at things differently, and you will be much closer to your own, you know, your understanding of yourself. Right. But it's 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 good spiritual stuff. Yeah, the artist way is. You know, when I was in the class with you, it was um, it was an awakening for me, and it was a remembering mm-hmm. of what I wanted to do, and I needed to take steps to it. And you know, I hadn't painted for for years, and I started painting like crazy. Started I know. Like crazy. And, you know, every week I'd walk in with a new painting. (laughs) I loved it. Oh, I loved watching you blossom back in your pigments. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a a good time, and it was painful at times, you know. And um, I was grateful that I had other women around me to call me out on my crap, you know, um, lovingly. (laughs) Y'all did it, but you did, Mm -hmm. you know, hold me accountable, which was, which I think everybody needs in some way. You need to find that person or that group to do that with. And how do you feel your, because you're super creative, how do you feel your creativity has changed as you've gotten older? Not that you're old, but I said older. Oh, gosh. I started to write you something on on Facebook about, well, about that maturity thing. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that's a relative term, isn't it? Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, growing older and, um, you know, not what I expected and how our creative selves, you know, organically transform as life throws us those curveballs, you know, and we go through things that hurt and losses that leave deep scars. And, you know, all of that makes us a better creative because it's uh, it, it happens to our soul, I think. And I was in therapy once, note word once, no, <laughs> did a little comedy relief there. I was in therapy once in my 30s, and uh, my therapist had me doing an exercise that required me to imagine how I want my life to look at age 60. Mm-hmm. And this was all, you know, this was like post-divorce and stuff. So I was in, uh, again, a bad place, obviously. I was seeking therapy. and um, But I went through the exercise, and, you know, it, it took yeah. a couple of nights of uh, just isolating myself and really thinking about it because it was that kind of exercise. And anyway, I knew I didn't immediate responsibility or stress or rigorous labor. And somehow or another, this imagining took, it, it involved book selling. And that book selling funded my writing. And uh-huh. 
in fact, I think I won. I invented the bistro bookstore maybe before Barnes and Noble did in my head, because <laughs> that's kind of what I was imagining. And so, you know, I have all of that. I am in my sixties now, and I have all of that. It, it's that manifest destiny thing, but it all looks so different. And what I'm using my creative, um, you know, investments. What what I create and spend creating time with and everything just is not what I expected. Right. But, but again, I credit the artist's way for getting me back on track to that, that end result, you know, because I had to recover the, the dream and the, and reshape it to, you know, the now me and organically rebirth it. So, I, you know, it was it, it was all worked out just like it was supposed to, and I love that. I love that knowing, looking back and realizing, yeah, it is. It's I have everything that I expected. It's just it's just not where and with who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's a great exercise. I think that's something we could all do. Just you know, five years down the road, what do we what do we think we will be like? What what do we want during that period of time? And one thing about growing older for me that really, and I don't know if this relates to you, but I thought I would be much wiser and have it all together, and um, have much more confidence and you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I don't have it all together. Uh, surely. I lost my confidence, <laughs> you know, and looking to get that back, it, it, it peeks around the corner now and then. Um, I mean, it's just, it's not a, exactly what I had envisioned, you know, <laughs> uh, because what I saw my older relatives, I perceived them as the wiser, they have it all together, um, you know, all of that. I thought they had it. And when I look back now and dig a little bit into the history, I realize they didn't. You know, they they had their issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Yeah, I would love to go through another artist way class. I just have not found one. And yeah. when I yeah, when I've tried to set one up, nobody's interested. So it just yeah. fascinates me what holds people back from doing something like this. Because once you do it, you really do crave it. You you want it again. Because well, it is you just part of yeah, growth is a process, so and that's part of the process, mm-hmm. and it's just great to do it with a group of of people that are supportive. Mhm. And I think it's, um, you know, I um, I don't think that there's any way I could say I've got it all together. Uh, I can fool myself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think that as, as a mature adult, I have, but but really, this is this is the lesson I think, Annette, is that we just kind of have to let ourselves continually be surprised, 
and the um, and maybe there's an art form in that somewhere, you know, where you just are of a mindset that you're open to receiving, as our dear friend Jeannie would say, mm-hmm. surprises. You know, make them pleasant yeah. as much as you can, you know, but um, um, I, I give it up. I don't I don't know everything. I never will know everything, and so bring it on. <laughs> and, you know, and it's okay to be emotional, and it's okay not to be where we thought we would be um, with those same feelings and, and all that. We've, we've just got to be okay with how we are. And I think you're right. You know, let's be surprised. Let's um, let it unfold and then be really surprised when it does. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I do love that. Well, I don't know what happened to Blog Talk, but they cut me to 30 minutes. Um because I know I set it to 60, folks. So, Adrian, <laughs> you're going to have to have me back on. And I'd right. love to have you on and continue this talk. And I just know that there's lots of... Um, you are wise. You're funny. You're <laughs> I, I, I love talking to you. And um, you always have something very uplifting to say, which is, is really cool. Um, not Aww. everybody does that. So, thank you. Thank you so much for being on. And Tasha, oh, I love it. Really good, but better. Thank and you. Keep doing what you're doing and get all that gunk out of your system. So, yeah, all that's, right, that's everybody. That's my plan. Yeah. So. <laughs> we are going to see you next Hydrate, week. Hydrate, Tasha. Oh, on Girl Power Hour at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you so much. I-